Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. Hey, welcome into Conscious Conversations, episode 19. Today, we have a guest that is very near and dear to our hearts, Jean Mazet. She is the founder of Shri Yoga Teacher Trainings. Uh, that is the way that I, Nick, am trained and also Nitin is trained in, in yoga. So Jean, Jean is very near and dear to us. She teaches us how to access more self-love and self-acknowledgement through the lenses in which we see the world, and more importantly, in the lenses in which we see ourselves and how we can use our life as a way to check in and notice how are we doing, where are we judging, where are we holding, and how can we be more open and honest with our compliments and also with our feedback. Uh, this is a really powerful and dynamic episode with tons of nuggets. It's applicable and it is uh, filled with, with wonders and wisdom. So enjoy, listen in, settle in, and get ready for all of the knowledge that Gene has to share. All right. Welcome into Conscious Conversations. I'm your host, Nick Palladino King, with my co-host, Nitin Gart. Today, we have my teacher, Jean Mazet, all the way from Oregon calling in. Jean, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing perfect. And you? Perfect as well. Perfect. Yay. Love perfectly that. Perf perfectly perfect. Well, I'm going to take it. Take a moment <laughs> to introduce Jean before she gets going for us. Uh, Jean is an ERYT 500 certified yoga teacher. She's been teaching and exploring and, and innovating as a yoga teacher for over 40 years. She's often called a teacher's teacher. She is an expert in the subtleties of yoga practices and bringing these practices uh, to life off the mat. Jean's mission redefines real as she helps people remember who they really are and what they are really doing here. Her sense of humor and commitment to non-judgment provide a safe place for students to explore, break boundaries, and release layers of physical, emotional, and physical weight. That has been much of my experience with Jean, and I know probably some of Nithin's as well. So Jean, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm honored, and this is just great. I love to. I just love to sit and have these conversations, these conscious conversations. So, yeah. So what if, should we just warm up, do a little opening meditation? I think that's the way we go. Let's let's warm up, settle okay. in, whatever you're called yeah. to introduce us to. Well, uh, whatever you to get feel set. like. So just get your body settled somehow or get yourself in a place with if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Hands on the wheel would be nice. Um, but you know, who am I to limit you? Otherwise, just find a place where you can just be and attune yourself to your breath. Just notice, find the breath that's right for you right here in this moment. So drop your pictures of what you think of the right breath is or whoever told you were breathing wrong. They're wrong because you're still alive. So find the breath that's right for you. Not too fast, not too slow. Just the right amount of air at just the right tempo. And as you allow yourself to even ask the question, what is the right breath for me right now? 
We're inviting this getting to know what is right for me in the present moment. We're inviting that space of present moment, that space of presence. And you'll know you're finding the breath that's right for you when you start to feel a sense of relief or release moving through your body. This is your actual physical body communicating back to you saying, yes, thank you. You do know what's right for me, which is you're talking to yourself. And not only are you capable, but at least in this moment, you're willing to give it to yourself what's right for you. So just breathe in, receiving what is exactly right for you right here, right now. No pictures, just trust that whatever you're breathing in is exactly what is right for you. And let that move into your cells. Let that nourish, heal, alter, or support, or whatever other thing that you are seeking or thinking you might be seeking. And now start to direct the breath a little bit into your throat and just feel this sense of what would it be like to have a really soft and relaxed neck. So breathe into the throat, knowing that that's also where your neck is. How can I release any pains in my neck, physical or otherwise, just with my breath, without doing anything big? And just allow that presence of breath that's right for me to go in and begin to dissolve any pains in my neck. Open up the throat. I feel a sense of space. What is it you really want to say to yourself right now? Is there something you need to hear? And can you say it to yourself? You can say it to yourself out loud or silently. And then take it in. How did it feel? How did it feel to hear exactly what you needed to hear? And when you're ready, you can take a deep breath in. Exhale, release chin to chest. If you like to come out that way, flutter your eyes open. I will join in conversation about what just happened. Wow, that was cool. Um, I said to myself, I love you. That's what came through. So thanks for that, Jean. You're welcome. I love you too. Love you too. It's nice to hear that you love yourself. That's a good good way to start. Yeah. Nitin, anything for you? Yeah, I was... Uh... One just very relaxing, very centered. Um, and then what came through was I was saying to myself that, you know, you're amazing. And I think there's a part of me that's like wants to be recognized for all the work we're doing in all sorts of ways, you know, in different facets of life. And I think that was just kind of coming through. And I was trying to really connect with that as if someone else was telling me that. And uh it it put me even more at ease, 
you know, because sometimes I think we don't always necessarily receive the recognition, but the work is still happening and there's a lot we're giving. Um, and it kind of felt good to say that to myself. Yay. To recognize Yay. yourself for all the work. Yeah. Isn't it? I just, yeah. When I started to really embody that, um, like waiting, instead of waiting for someone to tell me what I wanted to hear, just started to tell it, tell, tell it to myself. And it took me some time to be able to believe it because it felt like really fake and really kind of weird, oddly new age and not really relevant. And am I just pretending? But the more I could really get behind and love myself and get behind myself and acknowledge, like you said, Nitin, the work that I've been doing or the, this, the presence, what I've been putting out there for myself and not expect the world to see me the way I want them to see me, but for me to see me the way I want the world to see me. Because if I can, if my eyes can be the world's eyes looking at me through my eyes, if the world's looking at me through my eyes, then I can really acknowledge the presence, the capacity, the love, the unconditionalness, the non-judgment, the whatever I've been doing as the perfect thing for me this whole time and takes all that pressure off of me having to be some other thing to be, quote, successful or to be you know, a super hot performer or whatever that scenario that we might be thinking we're looking for. But what are we really looking for? You know, I'm just really looking for someone to say, hey, good job sometimes. Or, hey, I love you no matter what. So, yeah. Yeah, companies put in so much work in trying to, you know, recognize employees. Just it's always there because people are always doing the hard work but not necessarily always getting recognized by it. it takes a conscious leader to actually really do that, you know, while being in the thick of everything that's happening. So uh, thanks. For, yeah. Thanks for bringing that out. Um, it's, sure. I know it's, it's, it's key. Um, whether we're, you know, right now in a conversation or whether it's at work, it's just. Yeah. And how hard is it to say, Hey, that was good. You don't always have to say that, but because if you, if you don't mean it, that's not the, you know, you don't have to fake it. So I'm saying it's like, just don't give out yeah. the, the compliments or the kudos when you don't really mean it, because then that's a little, that's a little tear on you. Like, for example, if I say things I don't really mean, that sort of erodes my own personal trust in myself. And so I, I become more meaningless to myself. And then what, what I'm putting out there has less meaning. So, but instead of stuffing that, like that little win that you saw someone do and you go, wow, that was really cool that they did that. Instead of uh, saying, oh, well, I don't want to acknowledge them for that because then maybe they'll be greater than me. Or I'm going to say that maybe if I give them a compliment or or acknowledge them for something cool that happened or they perceived or that they said that they responded in a cool way that I, I was inspired by. If I, don't, if I don't respond and give that back in a generous way, then what am I doing except just trying to like smash that person a little bit, you know, because every time I don't acknowledge it, I'm just really not acknowledging myself. I'm also making myself feel less than because if I don't want them to feel successful, then that's really on me. That has nothing to do with them. They're going to fly and soar and do whatever they do, no matter whether I hold back compliments or not. So how can I join in the party and become part of that inspiration communication that inspiration cycle that can happen when two or more are gathered 
Yeah, that Gene, that and you already you already kind of hinted on it. You didn't say it directly, but you mentioned both words, and this is something that I've I've learned from you. It's that at the core, I, at hum, as humans, we want two things, and maybe more than two things, but really, there's two things: we want to be loved, and we want to be acknowledged. And that's actually a, a trick I've learned from you, and something that we do at at my fitness and yoga studio tribe is Billy, my brother, and I. We we love everyone and we acknowledge everyone, and they come in. And let's say someone has lost 10 pounds. We go, wow, you are really looking different, you know? And, and these are compliments that we say when we mean them, like to your point, we're not just saying things for the sake, but it's like, wow, you know, I really noticed you've been showing up weekly. You've been putting in a ton of effort and you're making changes and, the, and people just light up and it, it's wild, you know, or, Hey, I noticed you got some new shoes. Those are really cool. And then, but they're going, wow. Oh, I was seen. People are noticing me. And what and you know what I found is when you do that, it's it's kind of like a double dip. You're you by acknowledging that person, you'll see them light up. And then if you are in a non-judgmental space, then I find as the person saying that, then you know, we'll light up too and go, wow, look at the impact that everyone's having and all ships kind of start to rise together. That's something I've learned from you directly, but love and acknowledge people and also love and acknowledge ourselves you know, first and foremost is, I think that's really what we started this conversation already is that can we turn inward and love and acknowledge ourselves through whatever way, but that's been a great tip. And to mean it when you see these things and say these things, and I think that's a really powerful way to be a leader. And then people will pick up on it and it becomes contagious. And then you'll notice your staff does it, your friends do it, your family do it. And then it's like, oh, wow, this is cool. We're having, we're having ripple effects without even really trying just by saying what we're meaning. And it's also that you start it and you pave a way for it to be a safe thing to do. Mm. It doesn't make you weak to acknowledge somebody. It doesn't make you less than to acknowledge somebody. It doesn't you find that as you acknowledge someone, you're not you're not making yourself less than because I think part of the, the holding back, why do we why do we withhold? Right. The question then it goes to a deeper question, like, why is there withholding in the first place? Well, it comes from a fear somewhere. There's a fear of if I if I let this go, I'm going to lose something. Right. That comes. That's a bigger picture. That's a bigger piece. But this idea of withholding and the more we don't withhold as teachers, leaders, whoever, whoever, or just people, let's just call it people. Let's mm -hmm. as people, if I start to not withhold and you say then it's a ripple effect, the people around me now they feel safer in not withholding. And so then they're more likely, I'm not saying don't expect it because it's not like a quid pro quo thing. I'm gonna give you a compliment, you're gonna give me a compliment. Yeah, so don't drop that idea, but just by the modeling of the behavior and you feeling safe and you responding and you feeling good about not withholding, others will say, wow, they didn't withhold and look at they're shining. That's pretty cool. Maybe I'll try that. This may not be what exactly what they're thinking, but it goes in that way. And then you start to see someone like offer a little something, offer a little, hey, that was a cool thing you did. Or, hey, I really like your new whatever or whatever little, whatever is safe for that person to not withhold. It can be that ripple effect is pretty great. That's a ripple effect of, of, of generosity, yeah, of generosity of spirit. And so, and that really comes from this place of abundance at a really deep level when we're full of self-love, when we're full of self-acknowledgement, our cup literally overfloweth and we can truly, you know, pass it on. Not like passing it on, but I'm not afraid to share. 
is there a sense of vulnerability in there too, Gene, that I'm, I'm wondering of like, if let's say I'm not, in a, if I'm not in a vulnerable state or if I'm not willing to be vulnerable, could that be because I'm scared to actually share something that's going to open me up and then maybe push up against my fears or push up against maybe losing something if I'm more honest? Is that, is, are you saying something like that in the background there? Yes, I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about the word vulnerable because that's got a lot of layers, but let's just say yes to that for now. And there is a, well, just think about in, in your life. I'm thinking about my life now to think about your life and everyone listening, think about your life. There's times when I feel like I am, it compliments flow freely for me. And there's times when I go, I just don't want to say anything nice to anybody. And I'm, I'm back in my chair with my arms crossed going, wait, wait, wait. And I'm, you know, I just don't feel like I don't want to, I could be nice to you right now, but I just don't want to. Mm -hmm. What is that about? So what is the reason, what is the shift in the same person where one day I'm just, hey, compliment machine. I just want to, I, yeah. And the other day where I just don't want to give it. And that tells me, and everyone has to do their own work around this, but for me, it, it, it is an indicator that my cup isn't full. I haven't, I haven't loved myself enough. I haven't acknowledged myself enough. I haven't really given myself the care and attended to that part of me that helps me feel safe, helps me feel loved, helps me remember who I really am and what I'm really doing here. And that, and then that, foundation provides me it's not doesn't provide me it's just that when i when i'm in that zone which is the zone i want to be in more and more and more and more of the time all the time actually that's when i can be that free machine so then it's interesting when i notice when i'm when i don't feel that free and i don't want to share and so that's where the big question comes in like why why don't i what am, what am i afraid to lose here and maybe it's about opening myself up. Maybe it's because I'm afraid that I will discover an expectation that if I say to someone, hey, I really like the way this is blah, 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 or I really like the way you blah, 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 I'm going to expect them to say it back to me. And if they don't, I will feel hurt. Because mm. that could be a bummer. I told him all those nice things and nobody ever says anything nice to me back. Well, that would, that's one way of saying, okay, now notice how, un, how not unconditional those compliments were. <laughs> but this is how we start learning. This is how we start figuring it out. Because it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, just be unconditional, unconditionally loving. Well, what even is that, really? Until we start to unpack it at a, a daily life level. How does this really play out for each individual? And it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. There, there's, you know, even a um, dynamic I've noticed at times where like, for example, within teams, even though you're on the same team, but there's uh, to some, you know, to an extent, there's a lot of collaboration, but there's also competition because it's like, okay, who's going to look good and then get promoted or get some recognition, et cetera. And it, it you know i'm trying to unpack as you're talking because it, you know these same dynamics have do come up of like oh man someone hit it out of the park and there's those that will just pour in the compliments and really show their love and acknowledge that something great was done and then there's others that actually the first thing they might critique 
you know? Totally. So depending on sort of where they are, uh, and I've noticed the more the the managers of those teams, the leaders of those teams, the more they recognize how well, say, some work served the customer and the feedback that came in as a result of that good work, um, not just that work was completed, but someone's life was improved and we received positive feedback from that customer coming in is where like true recognition sometimes lies and, and the teams will start to feed off less from recognition from each other while that's still important, but also more from like, Hey, actually did we deliver, deliver a great outcome for the customer here? Um, and then hence, you know, the aligning recognition with that. The other piece, like you mentioned, Gene, you know, there, there's, it's a huge factor of like, if you, if we ourselves are in a place where we're not feeling full, sometimes the best thing is maybe just to stay in peace, not say something that's going to hurt someone. If we can't say something that's, you know, uh, a compliment or going to make someone feel better, because maybe we just, you know, need time to ourselves. And other times you said, yeah, like if you are in a super happy state and you one of those days where like just life is just flowing through you, through you and you're giving like 10 compliments on each side, but noticing yeah, when those days arrive, I guess, you know, looking at the patterns within your life to say, oh, what kind of, what kind of help transpire the day when I was full of giving and what was that, you know, what might have fueled that day when I wasn't? Yeah. And then I was just flashing as you were saying that, Nitin, is there's one day I remember it was a long time ago, but I it's a, funny how some days really just stick with a person. Yeah. And this is one of those days where I wasn't in a particularly good mood. Okay. In fact, I would probably say back in the, it was probably 30 years ago when this happened, I was probably in a pretty bad mood <laughs> and I had to go to the pharmacy or pick up some something or, you know, it was one of those long line scenarios where it's just that day, right? And everything I just tend to, I would always pick the wrong, the longest, slowest line, no matter what was happening that day. It was just that day where I just ugh, freaking out, just not happy and definitely not in my flow when it comes to put, passing out a compliment. Well, I remember stepping up to the counter and it was my turn at some point. And I don't know what came over me, but there was this moment where I just noticed something about this particular, because it was a smaller town that I was living in at the time. And I noticed something about she'd done her hair differently or something like that. And I said, hey, so-and-so, you know, you change your hair. It looks really nice. And this is, for some reason, I just was moved to say it. Her entire being shifted. And now I wasn't this horrible person in line, just one more person that was going to give her grief. And I wasn't even trying to be nice just to be, you know, I wasn't trying to do anything. But not only did that compliment that me reaching up and out of my own darkness or my own pit of, of the day, just to give a genuine moment, changed my day completely. Mm -hmm. She responded, it was, and I wasn't expecting this. It wasn't like this was, I was hoping to pull myself. I wasn't doing it for me to pull myself out of my, my funk, but it really worked. It was... I think that was one of the days where I started really paying attention to how I'm in conversation and how I'm in presence with people, depending on my mood. And that was kind of an eye opener for me in this path and this journey. So it's cool. Yeah. And there, there's a sense of, um, of non-attachment there and no expectation of you're 
I'm not hearing you say, Gene, that you gave the compliment to receive. It was like you you gave it freely and a byproduct was, wow, this person feels better. I feel better. Um, and something I was thinking the other day is, so I've, I've noticed in myself that when I'm in flow, for lack of better language, that's when I'm at my best. It's like I'm moving through the world. There's no effort. The people, places, and things that I'm interacting with are interacting with me in a positive way. You know, uh, the barista gives me a free coffee or I drop my phone and I catch it and I and it doesn't break. I should have, you know, I'm using quotation marks, a parking ticket on my car in downtown San Francisco and there's no ticket. And it's like interesting. So I'm in flow. I'm feeling good. I don't have expectations. And it's like, I'm nicer to people. I'm more present. Um, you know, I find when I'm sitting with people as a coach, those conversations tend to go better. And then days when I'm in a funk or I'm in my own stuff or I'm judgy, then I do have a ticket or my phone does fall to the ground and, and break or the, you know, I get overcharged. And I'm wondering something I wanted to ask is, and you and I were talking about this last week, Gene, you said something to me like, you know, either you're, you didn't use the word flow, but you said either you're in flow or you're not in flow. It's kind of, you know, you're either unconditional or you're not. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how do we set ourselves up for that? Like, what would be your hot tips on how do we get in? Look, cause we're using the word flow. Let's say with that, what are your hot tips on how to prime ourselves or get ourselves, maybe set ourselves up for conscious flow? Well, the big hot tip is stop judging. <laughs> just stop judging everybody stop judging you know and i i, I could just hear oh I, I have to judge something because you know i otherwise i don't have any opinions well so maybe that would be a good thing to have some not, to not have so many dang opinions i'm just saying opinions are opinions are they're little lassos sometimes around our necks and throats that keep us opinionated and kind of stuck sometimes um i would say this to set up for to set yourself up for flow, I would say that the biggest two things for me, it would be, you know, love yourself no matter what. So that unconditional love and you practice at home, you practice on yourself, you practice on yourself. Can I love myself no matter what, no matter what, not when I am being my quote, best self. I don't really even like that term because that tells me that I have a worst self. Now, whether or not I like myself in any given moment is really not personal. It's on me. It's my lens on how I'm seeing myself because my worst self, someone might be observing me and thinking, wow, how inspiring that that person just can be a bitch on wheels and just, you know, let her rip. And that for somebody that might be the exact persona they needed to see in that moment. Who am I to say? It's not my, you know, I'm just having my own judgment on what I'm, what I think my best self is. So if I can take my pictures off what best self, worst self is, now I've opened the playing field to be, oh, let's see, myself, not my best self or my worst self. And now I'm in flow and it may not. And if I can take that picture off my best self and my worst self, now I'm on that wave to unconditional love. I'm on the pathway to that more. I'm also starting to practice non-judgment in every moment because I don't know about y'all, but my observation with myself is that I can be pretty judgy on myself and <laughs> go to best worst really quickly, depending because I've got a lot of pictures on what I think I should look like, how successful I think I should be, what my relationship should look like, how I think I should talk with people, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I mean, the beat goes on. 
And Nick, you said something earlier, um, and we can get back to these hot tips on non-judgment and unconditional love, but that those are the hot tips, but how to unpack that. One thing that you said though, was when you were in flow and how you, know, you didn't get the traffic ticket mm -hmm. and like all these types of things happen. I think that it's really important to turn that beat around and flip the script to also say, you also could have gotten the traffic ticket and you could have been overcharged and you could have been late and all those other things that could have happened. But the flow would be if all those things happened and you were still in flow. So not to let how our life looks to ourselves, the picture of what my flow life looks like, to not let that get in the way of actually being in the flow of our life. Because really when crap is hitting the, when you are being bombarded with the tickets and the overchargings and the whatever, you know, the stuff at home and the sicknesses and the pains and the whatever insecurities that come up with daily life with with living because they will come up this we're here it's gonna happen it's just gonna happen i don't and if it's not happening then the person's lying they're just not telling you the full truth mm -hmm. to themselves or something else not making having things never go wrong for you wrong wrong or right nor am i making having a lot of drama in your life wrong or right but if I can be flowing and not judging the ticket and not judging everything that's coming to me, I will definitely be in less pain when that's happening. And I will definitely be in more flow and able, able to negotiate and navigate that with a lot less damage to my nervous system. I mean, I'm saying damage, it's not really going to damage our, my nervous system, but that, that, that pain hit that we take when we just go, oh, what a day, you know? And yeah. Nick, this reminds me of, you know, the, the, one of the concepts we were even talking about last week, um, when we were speaking with, uh, Chris Doris, we were talking about going above the O-line from the negative to the positive. And afterwards you and I were chatting and you said, you know what, I actually try to stay at neutral. And this sounds a little bit like that, which is, you know, the concept of either it's call it neutral, call it even mindedness. Like maybe there's positive things coming at you, maintaining that even mindedness. Maybe there's things that could be perceived as negative coming at you, maintaining that even-mindedness, right? So um, that was yeah. the thought that was coming up for me. And as, as Gene, as, and as Gene, you, as Gene was talking, I'm going, oh, maybe, maybe on the days I'm in flow, now that I have a bigger picture, thank you, Gene, uh, maybe <laughs> the days I'm in flow, I'm not judging the ticket, quote unquote. So then therefore it's not being imprinted on my mind as a bad thing that happened. So maybe I did get a ticket when I was in flow. I just don't remember because I was present and it didn't affect me. And that would be the neutrality that Nathan's talking about of, oh, it's not, I'm not only in flow when I'm in a good mood and I also be in flow when I'm in a bad mood. And okay. there's uh, Panaji, who's, who's uh, Gene, one of Gene's direct teachers, right? And um, he said one time when I was watching him, he said something to the effect of, you can, you can check in with yourself and how much you've grown spiritually or how well your spiritual practice is working of how able you are to stay centered when the shit hits the fan. And I'm sure he didn't say shit hits the fan, but it was to that. Like when life happens and it's hard, how do you respond? And the more you can stay in neutral when life is challenging, that's a really great way to check in and say, wow, I've grown. Cause last month I would have, I would have gone after the meter maid. And this month I didn't. Wow. That's, oh, I guess that's called growth. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I also think it's important. I really wanted to turn that around and 
shine a light there because often in these types of conversations and these podcasts and things like that, we only show, hey, and then if you do this, you're not going to get a ticket. And hey, and people hear, mm -hmm. if I do everything right, I'm not going to get a ticket. If I do everything right, I'm going to be rewarded by these positive pictures and these plaques on the wall and these raises and these acknowledgements from the outside world. And I want to make sure that we are clear that, hey, that is not why we're doing our practice. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. Ultimately, we're, I think we're here to do practice so we evolve ourselves to do our life as practice. I'm not saying we have specific disciplines, but we're living life to evolve ourselves. That's, I think we're all doing that through my lens. Everyone can have a different way of wording it. And maybe it's not anybody's, re somebody is going like, ah, it's so not me. I get that. And you do you, because we all need to do each, do, mm -hmm. we don't need to do each other. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be kind of creepy. Just but, do yourself. Uh, do yourself. Just do, do yourself. <laughs> yes, keep it in the house. Um, <laughs> but to really make people understand and make it okay and it's safe to get the ticket. It doesn't mean you're not doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It doesn't mean you're like doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean you're being punished. It doesn't mean you've got like you're reaping these bad karmas because you you blew it, you know? We're just still what you said, Nick, though, it's if I can get the ticket and still let let it not run my day, that's my evolution. That's my growth. And then if I cannot get the ticket and not pat myself on the back by how clear I was that day, then that's also my growth. Yeah. Gene, one of the things I noticed, uh, I'm on your mailing list, of course, and I, I noticed all the beautiful courses you put out throughout the year. And I'm, I'm curious if there's a... Uh, a slight tangent here, but that also links to the conversation we've been having. You've been teaching, I think, all year a lot of work around koshas, uh, this this journey of self to soul. And I'm curious, you know, as you were just just describing this this dynamic between do I get the ticket, do I not get the ticket? Is there an aspect of these, um, you know, layers? What do you call it, sort of the layers of the soul or the layers of the body? Um, that are present there. And I'm, I'm curious if you can help folks understand just like what, what, what are koshas? Like, how does that link into how we are showing up? Uh, I know it's a massive topic. Whoa, uh, that's a, that's a pivot. We, you know, we <laughs> can fit the koshas in, in the next uh, 25 minutes here, Gene. That shouldn't be a problem, should it? <laughs> well, let's see. There's five koshas in one model. There's other, there's more koshas in other models. So if we did five minutes per kosha, no. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, if, I didn't realize we we're going to be talking about yoga per se, but sure, why not? The um, koshas is one model on how we can define ourselves in our existence as spirit manifest as matter. So um, in the Samkhya philosophy, S-A-N-K-H-Y-A, Samkhya philosophy, basically it takes, we're all, we all come from this pool of infiniteness like people say, when you die, you go to heaven, that would be heaven. Or when or we all come from, you know, we're going back to perfection. Well, that would be perfection. So whatever your ultimate thing is, that's what we are coming from. So we all are from this pool of, in the coaches, we call it Brahma. And then we, we filter it down. We have our soul on one side. We just said, okay, let's say Brahma says, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to like split myself into two just to see what, but duality is like. So I and here I am in perfection and I want to experiment. I want to know myself more. So I'm going to try on duality and see what duality 
what duality is. Because in perfection, I don't really experience duality as duality. I mean, you can like have a chocolate chip cookie or you can have some things where stuff's mixed up, but maybe you just want to taste the one ingredient. This one ingredient in all of, crea- of all of the things is duality. So Brahma just says, I'm going to taste duality. So we split into soul on one side, Purusha, and Prakriti on the other side, which would be anything that can possibly be manifest, whether it's a thought or something physical. And then, so we have soul over here, which is, we're getting to the sheaths layers. And so then the manifestation comes down through these layers, eventually subtler and subtler and subtler and subtler and denser and denser and denser until we now are, we're a being, an individual being from perfection. I'm an individual being from perfection. You're an individual being from perfection. You're an individual being from perfection. My pencil is an individual being from perfection. My hairbrush is an individual being, thank you. And I'm, in Spanish, it's boligrafo. I'm learning some Duolingo here. Boligrafo. Ah, muy bien. <laughs> it's like one of the words I know. Um, anyway, so so now we have ourselves here on in the matter. And the koshas now, it's these sheets of covering this thing called soul. And even beyond soul, it gets into this then when I'm not soul, when I'm actually all of it into that lack of a better word, godness or divinity or Brahma or whatever language you like to use around that which cannot be named, because once you've named it, it's no longer it because there's a picture. So with the souls, with the with the koshas, and then I think you should have just signed up for the course. <laughs> but I'm happy to share now. Um, there's one level, one, one layer, which would be the food body, which is our physical body, that which can be eaten or that which eats. So that would be my physical body. And then bigger, it's anything that's touchable on the physical plane, things that I can experience my, from a physical point of view. And then we move into the energy body, which would be the pranamaya kosha. And this is, we talk about it from the breath body, but this is where I can feel bigger than my body. We do some yoga poses or we do something, we even have an amazing presentation and we feel bigger than our bodies. There's something else going on. I can't name it on my physical, but it's, I'm feeling it. I'm getting sensations that are physical, but they're not physical. That's the pranamaya kosha. Yeah, like, you know, typically when we're, yeah, typically after a great presentation, yeah, you're kind Very of rushing. Present. Yeah. So you've so they've, they've tapped into the pranamaya kosha then. Um, there's ways of getting there. And then we move from that level of sensation e non non-physical sensation to the manamaya kosha, which is the mind, which is the seat of your your um thoughts, constructs, emotions, everything that we can interpret. And that's probably one of the biggest ones that we focus on like people that are coaches focus on the mind. Basically, this mind, this mind body thing is huge. So the first three coaches are the ones we spend the most time breaking down and unpacking because those are the ones that really are right in our face every day in our lives. Moving on to the other layers, though, they get subtler and subtler and less and less physical. So harder and harder to talk about because talking is a physical thing. The Vijnana Mayakosha, which would be the more intuitive body, it's one is the one of the definitions is that and it's really your intuition but it's actually it's it's this layer that can be very full of your own thoughts because it's between it's between your bliss body and your mind so it's going to be either more mind heavy or more bliss heavy so is it in communication with your higher 
uh, in yoga, we call this your DDHI, which is your higher decision maker, the part of you that is more has more access to hearing your highest thought, hearing your higher self talk to you, hearing your soul's voice, you know, your that that other voice of intelligence that says, turn here and there'll be a parking place, that voice. Yeah. Um, so how much of your Vijnanamaya Kosha is full of your mental constructs and how much of it can is able to allow the information or the in, insights from the soul to come through and then move through the body. So then we clean out the Vijnanamaya Kosha there. And then the next one would be your Anandamaya Kosha, which is basically all the possibilities of anything that can happen for you. That's basically your whole karma shaya, your whole sack of karma. That's where you live. That's all of what Nitin can be. That's all of what Jean can be. That's all of what Nick can be. So that's still, it's still not like into allness. It's still defining this existence as a, as a unique individual. And then it's the Vijnanamaya Kosha that sort of helps shape who we actually play out to be based on what's possible in our Anandamaya Kosha. And then once we kind of also, we don't want to stick in that Kosha, we want to move beyond that and begin to experience ourselves as more infinite beings. But if we get to those other, those upper two Koshas, Vijnanamaya and Anandamaya, it's, you're pretty, you feel pretty expanded. So it's not like that's a shabby place to be, but also to know that it's not like the goal to be there and hang there, but all of these layers, as we, as I go through these five layers, and then other models that have two more layers on top of that, which, you know, I'm not teaching that model right now, that's a different model, but just, we're talking about the same thing. How do I, how do I take that bridge from my physical to get me back to when I was Brahma or when I was all of it and just we are that bridge we are that we are the we are the bridge our human touch your body right now just put your hands on your body some just do it you right now you are the bridge between spirit and matter you want to know how to get to spirit it's you right here right now you've got everything in this physical toolbox all your thoughts all your opinions all of your choices all of your actions your words your journey that's led you to this particular moment in time it's pretty magical and you're the one that's figuring it out you're the you're on the bridge of yourself right now there's nothing to achieve there's nothing to attain you're already it there's nowhere to go i mean there it's just it's undeniable it's just not there's not like i'm going to get there someday no you're there right now so the question is where am i looking what am i paying attention to that's that's a choice. You're deciding to pay attention to that. But it doesn't mean this other part doesn't exist. It doesn't mean you're not there. And just like if you, if you turn your focus somewhere else, you're there. You know, I'm really focused on this right now. But you still have all this other stuff that you're not focused on. And if we just think about the human brain, oh my God, how many thoughts per second do we have? I'm, so many. Like, I don't even know. I'm thousands, millions, I don't know, lots. Yeah, I've heard millions. I've heard millions. Which I've heard millions. Incomprehensible. But I would like to look it up and get the actual going number. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more. <laughs> I mean, it's going to change as more thoughts come in because we're evolving ourselves. So why wouldn't our picture of how we are change? 
But if we have all those, and the brain is a recording device. So you're having that thought, all the sensations, everything that's coming into you, whether you're conscious of it or not, is being recorded in your brain right now. It's full up there and you have access to all of it. And if we're only using five to 10% of our brain, well, think about how much more space there is for even more. So my point being when I'm on this rant is that we have all of it in us right now. Mm -hmm. And we, and whether we are aware of it or conscious of it or can know how to retrieve it is another story, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean, because some part of me heard what went on across the street and it registered in here through the lenses of the nervous system. And sometimes, you know, those lenses are pretty narrow because it has an idea and says, oh, this would fit here. And sometimes it does and doesn't. And that's how why we want to really attend to our nervous systems to allow it to digest more from present moment. But that's a different topic or the same one. Wow. You did it. That was 20, 15 minutes. You did wow. um, I mean, wow. As you know, in, in circling back to the piece about vulnerability or openness earlier, as you're talking, Gene, and we're moving through these things, I'm going, I didn't realize how attached I am to looking at my spiritual growth through the positive lens. I mean, honestly, the piece about because I didn't get a parking ticket means I'm on it, you know, and then to look at, and then does that as the lens that I had decided to start, that's the lens I had decided to see my spiritual growth through and to kind of bring the coaches into an applicable way of understanding these, you know, within these conversations, the story I want to share about when I first learned about the coaches with Gene, probably seven, eight years ago, and there's kind of two, two pieces here. One is as Gene was talking about breaking down the coaches in different sheaths or layers. And, and remember it's all, it's a oneness. And also it's helpful to be able to look at each thing. When I first found Gene, I was in pain physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually for, and for different reasons, I think on all those levels. And I, but at most, mostly I had debilitating hip pain. And I remember I would, I would go to yoga. I would work out. I would get massages. I would go to acupuncture and the pain would go away for a day, a week. And then, and then, you know, like clockwork, bang, there it is. And I remember Gene, you said to me one time, you said, if you keep going after pain, if you keep trying to heal pain in a particular body and it's not healing, that means it's in a different body or in a different sheath. So I was only going through my pain from the sheath of the physical body. And when Gene said that to me, I said, holy shit. So you're telling me my pain's not physical because I'm doing all the things, quote unquote, that are supposed to work for my hip and they're not. That means my pain might be somewhere else. It might be in my emotional system. It might be in my thoughts. And I remember vividly, it's about seven years ago that my life took a drastic different direction because of this kosher model, because of these practices that I'm sharing so that we can have some, some data here on how this works. We're in, we are in a long hold practice, which is when Gene will put you in a, a pose for five minutes and says, okay, don't move, enjoy yourself. And, uh, don't move. Um, and I'm in a pose, I'm in a pose, the first pose and I'm going, this is terrible. This is miserable. I'm going to die. 
I'm shaking. And at that point, I'm going for the full pose. I'm just, you know, all out. I'm in pain. Gene said, don't move. I'm not moving. Doesn't matter. And as I was starting to listen more and more and more, and this is going back to what you were saying, Gene, about the, the thoughts. And I'm starting to listen to myself. And I'm and all I'm thinking about is the same thing over and over and over again. Doesn't matter what pose I'm in, doesn't matter what I'm doing. All I'm thinking about is when are my clients going to fire me? That was, that was the repetitive thought that didn't matter what I did. And finally, I was like, what the fuck is this thought? It's one, it's not, and it's not happening right now. Two, why do I think it's going to happen? And three, like, why am I so obsessed with this thought? And then I was like, okay, well, where did this thought come from? I don't know. I've never, I've never recognized, I've never heard this before. And I go, oh my God, I was modeled by my family that success equals failure. That whenever, if you have good relationships, if you have good businesses, you have good health, what happens is you, you create it. And then at some point the wheels fall off the bus and then you now have nothing. And I'm going, oh my God, my entire lens or world is wrapped up in when are the wheels of my life going to fall off? And for the first time in my life, I was able to one, as Gene was talking about, see this and go, okay, is, is this true? Is this even my stuff? Do I want to continue to do this? Oh my God. Now that I'm able to see it, I actually have a choice in working with this thing. And maybe in my life being different. And it was, you know, change of trajectory wouldn't be the right word after seeing that. It would be a 180 degrees turn in the way I treated myself and others. And it's like, wow, why? Because I was able to see something that I was unable to see or hear before by going through the kosha model. So that's how this is a really applicable model to our lives. Um, but I, I've never been the same since, and I'm glad. And, and also that thought still is in there in me, but now I have a relationship to it and now I can hear it and I can listen to it. And I can also say, well, okay, well, what's your opinion? Why, why are you scared? Is there some truth here? Okay. Thanks. Appreciate you. Instead of making it the bad guy. And then, wow, lo and behold, now I don't have hip pain. Now I don't have physical pain. Interesting how that all ties together. So I wanted to share that because that's uh, some of the experience I've had with with Gene and this kosher model, also just in terms of the vulnerability and, and the openness, but uh, transformational none, nonetheless. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. And um, yeah. So one thing that you said um, when you mentioned the model of uh, gauging your your lens, your spiritual, like I'm on my spiritual, I'm on my my spiritual game when I don't get the ticket. Um, one thing that is so cool to note, and I want to say it because I think it can be really valuable for some people. Um, I know it's valuable for me is that when we're growing, we need to have our, we need to prove to ourselves that our spiritual path or whatever your practices or whatever, scenarios, the transformations that we are now applying to our life, that they work. And so then we don't get the tickets and we do get that windfall of money and we do get all, you know, things work out in that way. And it, we feel encouraged and 
we're proving to ourselves that the things work. But then the tricky part is when you were saying how my practice was about my hip pain, our practice can't be about the lack of parking tickets or about how much money I'm making because that happened then to get you to where you are now. But if, but if we lock into that picture of this is how it works, if I do this, then that, what did I just hear myself say? If I do this, then that karma quid pro quo, I'm no longer unconditional. I'm now doing my thing to get a certain result, not for doing it because it's transformational. And then in order to get us to grow, what might happen? Oh, we might be still doing the same stuff and we might not, we might get an extra ticket. We might not make the money we thought we were going to make. We might not have a certain thing happen in our relationship or what, or we not, might not get that acknowledgement. So just the, that we're doing the same things, but now since we were attached, we've created another thing that we're attached to. It's going to, our being inside is, is committed to evolving. And we've asked for it. We've asked for consciousness. And so once you've asked, you can't unring that bell. You can't say, I changed my mind. I mean, you can, but it's not going to listen to you because you truly asked from your heart. And once you have declared that to yourself, you can't go back. There's just no going back. So now that your heart's on this path and it's going to make sure that you get there, <laughs> even if it means, hey, you have a concept around this. And so now it's not going to work out that way anymore doesn't mean you're messing up, doesn't mean anything. But it is to look at where am I judging? What are my expectations? And now am I back into my pictures and constructs? Is it serving me? And now what's my picture on abundance? Now what's my picture on what does spiritual look like? And then that will also change. And then we'll have to keep taking those pictures off. Mm. Hardball question then, Jean. Oh, okay. Uh, you had you'd said as opposed to all right? the other softball questions. Softball, you've been... <laughs> softballs. We've been warm. We've been doing some asana. We've been stretching. Now we're getting into the deeper stuff. All right. Um, you said something earlier to the effect of really working on not misquoting people, but you said something to the effect of it's not being what's not being taught in a lot of ways is the opposite side of the parking ticket. It was something it was something around there of what we're real what we're really seeing in in the in the yoga world in the coaching world in the manifestation world is do these practices and you will manifest more money more love more abundance what we're not seeing correct me if i'm wrong is the opposite do these practices and if you don't manifest more money more abundance more love that's okay too um why do you think that is what's what's your hot take on the frame or the lens in which we are marketing and selling spiritual practice? Well, it's marketing and selling. I mean, first of all, because we've turned spiritual practice into a business, so we're marketing and selling. And I think this is the kind of the tricky part. Um, and everybody, every person out there has to figure out what's right for them and how they want to do it. Um, I, I know, and Nick, I think you're actually in the room when I had this, like I'm flashing on that room that day when I talked about the rainbow and how, you know, at the Noah's Ark scenario, how that was the promise, right? And it's the rainbow thing where like, if you do this, then there's this promise of something. Well, we can't promise anything. We can't promise anything for anybody because it, we're not them. 
it's really none it's arrogant of us to say if you do this then you're going to be that but you know it depends on how it's kind of butts in the seats then really if you need to get butts in the seats how much promise how can you put a promise out there without actually just flat out lying or being the answer because we're not the answer I mean, I'm not an answer. I may have some ideas. I've lived a life. I've got some, you know, I'm happy to have these concert conscious conversations, whether it's mm -hmm. here or just anywhere. I love having it. It helps. It, it, I, I'm inspired by having conscious conversations. I mean, I'm inspired by having conversations. But I can't promise that something is going to change you because you're going to change you. And I know that no matter what, let's just say you're in my class, okay? And let's just say someone wants to heal hip pain or something like that. I can give a lot of insights and I can give, I can share what I know, what I'm inspired to say. They've asked me the question, I'm happy to answer. And then even if none of that works, I'm okay with that because it was the path they had to get through to get to the thing that's going to work. So just because my pathway wasn't the one that gave them the gold star or the unicorn thing or the brass ring or whatever the lack of the hip pain going away it was a set of necessary steps that that being needed to go through in order to be ready to receive and to not even ready to receive but just when that shift was going to happen for them we can't predict as coaches and as teachers i mean and if we say we can i don't i, don't, I can't speak to that I, I can't speak to that. I'm just saying for me, I don't feel comfortable predicting a timeline because space and time is so fluid. And all I know, I can, one thing I can predict is you will get more conscious. You will know yourself better whether you want to or not, whether you like what you see, that's, I can't tell you that. You may not like what you see for a long time. So your life may not feel amazing for a while, depending on that person. So what was the question, Nick? How do we package this? I mean, that is one of the questions. I don't, um, I see a lot of packaging and I see a lot of promise. And so I'm here to say, do what you gotta do. And I'm also here to say that there's just how there's going to for the people out there that are disappointed and feel less than and feel like they're not good enough because they fault they did everything right and they're still not getting the life that they were promised it's not you're not worse off you're not a bad person you're not unworthy you're none of those things and so whatever pathway that you chose that helped pull that up in you to make you feel that really made that part of you come more alive you can decide whether that's going to be where you want to live from or decide this is my life and i am not no matter whether this checklist was the one to get me for that to that brass ring or something what's it getting me to look at what am i willing to look at it's getting me somewhere and just like the hip pain, it can go around and around and around and around. And if we keep trying to solve it from the same angle, we've got to hashtag do it differently. Okay. You know, the hashtags I do hashtag do it differently. We got to 
do it differently to get a different result, to see it from a different point of view. So sometimes it means really just doing something differently, like not following the rules and see what happens. It, it seems like what's come up in our conversation today so much is this quid pro quo thing, the golden rule. Like, you know, if I do this, I get that. If I'm nice to you, you're nice to me. If I compliment you, you compliment me. Like it is just, it is amazing to see how much that is driving us as humans. And, and not that that's a bad thing, but to bring the awareness to that of like, how many decisions are we making that are based off of this golden rule? Even, even as coaches and teachers, if you, if you hire me, this is what you will get. Like, gosh, man, that makes me really rethink. And I know you and I push ourselves to, to be as clean as we can, but really even to take a deeper look. What do you get if you hire me? I don't know. You get someone to listen. Exactly. You get someone You get someone to reflect back you to yourself. That's what you get. Well, or you get me. If you hire me, you get my point of view. You get what I bring mm -hmm. to the table. That's what you get. You get this. If you hire you, they, you, they get that. That, I mean, I can say that this is what you get. Whoever I am is what you get. And here's, what we say, don't take it personally. And now, now how do we, that's a rub, right? If so, so then if someone doesn't hire me, how can I not take that personally? Because it's me, they don't want. So I can't, so, but then is it, and especially if I think me, I'm the one that's going to be able to change them or help them. Well, maybe you can but they need to want it from you. And that's not on you. Is it our job to package ourselves, to present ourselves so it's something that somebody wants? Now, let's just go back and see what that looks like. High school, excuse mm -hmm. me, what do I need to do to get the so-and-so to ask me to the prom or whatever that story was? How can I repackage myself to be sell sellable or to be enough? And now I'm doing exactly to myself what the client is probably coming to me to help me have them undo. So if I can't live it here <laughs> and not try to be their perfect whatever and just be who I am, and there's a freedom in that. And Nick, one thing that I um, didn't say earlier when we were talking about those uh, compliments, but it also, has to do with saying things that maybe are a little scarier even the compliments help us prime our pump for being able to speak our truth from a place of abundance and feeling centered in self but maybe there'll be those harder conversations where someone has done something and i haven't really liked it not judging it not making it wrong and i'm not going to tell them they need to do it differently but if they say, well, um, how do you feel about that? Do I feel comfortable in saying, I'm not sure that sits well with me and that, and how it comes from my point of view, not that you said anything wrong or your opinion is wrong, but can I say, that's not true for me. that takes confidence. It does. And I think the ability, I don't think it takes the ability to then say something and be okay with not getting the response you want back. Hey, that makes me feel uncomfortable and I'm not okay with that. And that's the confidence piece of, well, what if that person doesn't like me now? What if that person judges me now? Well, that's 
that's how you really learn how unconditional you can get with yourself and with others. Or what if that person fires me? My client fires me now because they didn't say what they wanted. (laughs) Or what if they really like me now? Like what? What if they do? What if they even like me more? I mean, then that's a whole new new can of worms. But yes, the ability to speak up for yourself. This works for me. This doesn't, and not from a judgmental way, but from in this moment, this is the right decision for me. I honor your right decision, and that that's confidence. That's self love. And there's there's something I'll talk about with people that come into my 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 fitness studio. They they go, I can't do a pull up, and I'll just say, you know what? Going from not being able to do a pull up to one pull up is the hardest thing you can do because you're going from it's not possible to possible. And they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. But I go going from one to five is actually a lot easier because now you've practiced. You can do one repetition or whatever it is. You can give one compliment or you can give one honest piece of feedback. And then over time, it's like, wow. Okay, now I'm practicing for the big moments, right? Of when, what if I, what, what happens when I really need to say something that matters? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been practicing. So that now in the moment, I can be true with it. And this is, I think this is important for us all to hear is that this takes practice to be conscious and honest and non-judgmental and not, not attached and not have expectations. All these foundational pieces that you've taught me and many others over, over a long period of time now. Yeah. And it, it comes from, I, that's exactly right, Nick. It's all, it's really practicing. And we do the compliments to practice for speaking other truths as well. And in order to speak those truths, confidence for sure. And that confidence comes from really knowing self and being willing to, to get honest with ourselves and say, how do I feel about that? Or what is my construct around that? Or what is my expectation around that? Admitting that I have an expectation. <laughs> um, what is my what is my need here? What do I really want? And maybe I really want that person to such and such. Okay, well, that's level, that's one layer. But then we can't, to ask, to expect someone to do something in a certain way is not now me taking responsibility for myself. What is the deeper need for me? beyond what that person, what I want that person to do to fix my pain. Basically, that's that's me asking them to deal with me <laughs> when I need to deal with me. I mean, how, I mean, hello, who's in a relationship? Any relationship. Oh, we're all in one relationship, with, even with ourselves. So I mean, you just go to the store and there's a person there, there's a relationship happening. So anytime I think I want that person to behave or say or do a certain thing, and if I get sad or depressed or angry or uh, anything really inflamed or even super happy because of what they do, they're dealing with me. I'm seeing them as dealing with me. They're probably not consciously dealing with me. They're dealing with themselves. But that's time I haven't spent dealing with me. And that's a missed opportunity for me. So if I want to do a pull-up and I look at the bar, well, all right, let's start at the beginning. At least I'm looking at the bar, okay? At least I'm looking at the bar thinking about maybe I'll do a pull-up. But if I don't ever just, if I never touch the bar, if I never even look at myself and take it back home, then I'm going to expect someone to do the pull-up for me. 
That's so funny. I've caught myself doing that. I'll go in to get a coffee. And if the barista doesn't respond to me in a nice way, I find myself getting upset. How dare they not respond? I'm being nice to them. How dare they not be nice to me? How dare they not smile? It's like, man, that's my stuff. Nobody else's. Nobody else's. And to your point, that person, maybe they're just tired. Maybe they've served a thousand coffees today. Maybe, you know, maybe they're thinking about lunch. They're not thinking about, but how do we make this person's day worse? And it's just an example of how we can use all these moments in our lives as spiritual practice to turn in and go, wow, where am I off? Where do I have some work to do? What do I want to change? What do I not want to change? Um, and they're everywhere and anywhere. It sounds like if we pay attention. Yeah. And think about that barista who maybe is just being themselves because they've learned over the fact of seeing thousands of people a day that there's nothing that's going to make every single person have a good day because they can do they what, what you require to feel like you've made their day. Yep. Would do to somebody else that would go, what are you, what, where do you get off? Like, being so cheerful. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like just exactly what you want might be the exact thing that's going to push somebody else's button. So what can we do is just be be willing to try out more and more ways of being ourselves and feel what that feels like more often without me trying to be the perfect prom date for someone. What is it for me to be? how I want to be that day. And we get back to our ultimate, our very beginning conversation, my best self, my worst self. Well, if I'm myself, I'm myself. I'm my whole self. And if I'm willing to look at all aspects of myself and willing to participate with myself in the game of me, because that's the one, then I may not care as much what the barista does. Or maybe one day I'll say, you know, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Not that I'm expecting the person to change, but you don't have to like it. Man, so many nuggets, so many so nuggets, many Shane. Nuggets. Just um, any last last words of advice? Any last words of that would actually even go against what we've been talking about today. Any last words? Just words. I mean, it's just, there's just words for one thing. First of all, everything that we've just said, remember, it's just, it's only words. And these words mean absolutely nothing. They're going to mean what you need them to mean. You could listen to it today. It's going to mean one thing. You could listen to it tomorrow. It's going to mean something else. So whatever you need words to mean for you, just know they're going to mean that. And be open to yourself, listening to yourself, having that conversation with yourself and learn to communicate with yourself because then the freer you are with really being honest with yourself, the less invested we are about how we think we're coming off to other people and the less disappointed we'll be and probably the less pain we'll be in in some ways. But again, those hot tips, Nick, would be non-judgment and love yourself no matter what. And those two practices for me have other, I mean, there's layers and layers of other subtle practices in there as well. But if I were to nail it down to two, those two are the ones that I, I preach to myself daily, moment to moment. And those are the cornerstones of all my teachings. And they're lifetime practices. Yeah. It's not like you just, 
Yeah, I, I, what I love too is um, like I start, you've been in the room when I've given, this was years ago before non-judgment was way more accessible to people. You know, 10, 15 years ago, I would talk about non-judgment and people would just go, oh! I mean, the room would light up like a fire. It's like, oh my God, of course, this is wrong. And they would give me examples and proof and evidence why something's wrong, right? So we don't have to have those conversations as much anymore mm -hmm. because things are softer out there in that way. Non-judgment is more, more people are teaching it in different ways, et cetera. So where was I gonna say? What was I gonna say? <laughs> words. Words. She was gonna say some words. I was gonna say some words, but the non-judgment thing, it's one of those things that then someone comes after like a couple months of practicing non-judgment, they go, yeah, I'm, I'm not judging anymore. And they're like, yeah. And I'm gonna think to myself, well, I really actually know you probably are. <laughs> because it doesn't really work like that most of the time. Maybe you are that one person that just got non-judgment and has stopped judging and can erase all of that programming through lifetimes that got you to where you are right now, that you can erase that whole duality that we're here to explore because judgment is exploring duality, which is why it's not wrong to judge either, by the way. It's good to know how it works so that it doesn't have to be the master of us. But then, so you're not judging, maybe you're judging less. And then the person gets really bummed the next time they catch themselves judging because they've decided I'm not judging and look how good I am, which is a judgment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying they are lifetime practices. And we get to these levels of these just it keeps on. It's like an onion that just keeps unpeeling and unpeeling and unpeeling. And the, the less I judge, the more subtle I can see how judgment is. And it's just such a brilliant practice and it's just keeps giving and i i just love it so much and i just really love being here and this yeah. is i love having these these conscious conversations and it's been really my honor my privilege and i mean that each time i say it i really mean it it's not just a thing i do um especially especially now you know, we're, we're humans, we're humans, and we're figuring some stuff out, as we always do. And it seems that the longer we're on the planet, there's more of us, it gets more and more fiery, and we are invited to really to go there, because this is what we've wanted from ourselves, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll put your, your note, I'll put your links in the, in the show notes. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners about, of uh, something you have going on or, um, a way they can get oh, in touch yeah. with you to, to learn more about non-judgment and self-love? Absolutely. And here's the promise. No, <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Um, um, I have a, a subscription series called consciousness for life and I've, I love it. I do weekly drops. Um, you can go to there's three levels at this point and they're very accessible. I, I, when I created it, I really wanted, I didn't want price point to be a thing that was a deterrent. I really wanted it to be something that was not going to really make you think, do I want, can I afford this? So you can do the first level, which is you just get the message from me every week. I write a blog and a, so some sort of contemplation questions or just a little fun thing to read. And then you could, the next level would be that the, um, the, the message message from Jean, 
and also the meditation. And so then I give a, anywhere from a five to 20 minute meditation and it's both be, it'll be themed and it'll be something you can do. You don't have to be a meditator. I mean, we're all meditators. Have you noticed that feedback loop in our brain? That's us meditating. So <laughs> this way we can change, we can sort of interrupt that feedback loop and they're accessible and they're fun. And um, people email me and text me and say that they love them. So they must be working. Um, for some anyway. And then the third level, which is the, the bigger level, is you get the message, the meditation, and then a physical practice anywhere from 15 minutes to 75 minutes. And it can be like a full yoga asana practice. It can be some sort of body exploration. Usually we were theming it somehow to tie all. So sometimes they all tie in together when I'm lucky. <laughs> but um, you don't have to know, you don't have to be a yoga practitioner to do it. I do plenty of explaining and I try and I leave about uh, four to six to eight of them up at a time on my website. So once you're a subscriber, you can read up to eight blogs, probably up, you have access to eight meditations, eight practices. And then I, the, the one that was the most, the, the oldest one there gets dropped off and replaced by something at the top. So, and I always try to keep a variety of levels when it comes to the physical practice. So there's ageless yoga on there. Sometimes there's just yoga nidra, which is yogic sleep meditation. Um, sometimes it's a harder, more sweaty practice. So you can pick what you want. And I also make it so you just don't have a huge library. So you don't have to make a decision. You've got six to eight to choose from. You don't have to worry about it. So. And that comes out small, every medium or large. What do you want today? Small, medium or large. And I'm, I really love it. It's, it's fun for me. Um, it helps me feel like I'm connected to a community and I, it's my way of saying, I love you and I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate who you are and I appreciate that you are and not just that you're doing, but that you're being and that we can connect in that way. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jean. That's all Thank on my website. Well, we'll put the links in there. Um, thanks so much for your time, for your energy, for your presence. It was you. unbelievable. I learned a lot. I know and the people listening most likely will too. So thank you so much. And uh, I love you very much. Thanks for being on here. I love you too. Thank you both. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.